Hello. Yo, welcome to my summer lair. I'm your host. Never been to Wyoming, but Idaho always makes me giggle. You nan. I'm going to explain Outer Range, currently streaming on Prime Video. However, do not expect what I'm about to say to make sense. The TV show starts with Josh Brolin, you know Josh Brolin, who plays Royal Abbott, a Wyoming cattle rancher whose living off-the-land way of life is threatened. His stress deepens when he confronts a cosmic anomaly on his vast ranch. Um, like, yo, there is a black hole in the ground in Wyoming. How does a cattle rancher process that? Police in the town where Royal and his dysfunctional family live is Deputy Sheriff Joy Hawk, played by Tamara Pademski. Sheriff Joy is trying to keep the peace and gain votes so she can be re-elected as the town sheriff. This is a western, and the sheriff is not always welcome, especially a sheriff who is determined to pursue justice. There's a couple of other significant reasons why Sheriff Joy's police presence is not appreciated, and my conversation with Tamara explores that aspect. Sheriff Joy wants to serve her town, but many in the town would rather serve her notice. Out of Range isn't sci-fi. It's a supernatural mystery. Over the course of the first season's eight episodes, there are murders, characters have gone missing, and as viewers, we still don't know why there is a black hole in the ground in Wyoming. Thankfully, Prime Video has renewed the TV show for a second season. Now, if that's not your jam, you can see Tamara as Antini in two episodes of Reservation Dogs, the second season, episodes four and episode five. Res Dogs follows exploits of four indigenous teenagers in rural Oklahoma. However, the second episode Tamara appears in has quite a number of exploits of her own. Oh my. <laughs> oh yo, prepare to blush. Antini's wild. So now, shall we explore the outer range? Opening manifesto. Sound. The final frontier. My summer lair is an enterprise, a pop culture voyage with a continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new creators and celebrate established producers, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now here is your host, Sammy Yunan. Congratulations, Outer Range was renewed for a second season. That's very exciting. So you play Sheriff Joy. As the sheriff, do you have any clues as to what's going on in this show? (laughs) 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 That um, it's it's best that none of us know or knew what was going on, (laughs) because then it just makes for that that realism that the show offers of just you know uh, a. everyone being challenged and pushed to the, you know, the brink of, of their mental capacity yeah. to make sense of the world. Um, but yeah, I, I think that what I, what I most wanted to, to offer and bring to the story was that, you know, she, she relates to the unknown in a different way than the others relate to them. And I also love without, you know, I mean, I know we still have so many new viewers who are just coming to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so without going, giving too much away, um, I also love that, you know, the, the way that she accesses 
the unknown is yeah. different from how everybody else does also. So she's, that's, um, you know, if, if you had everyone's account or, or interpretations, uh, she would probably have the, the, the most, the most different take on what it all means. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause like the mental challenges and the way that people are processing things, a good example is your scenes with Josh Brolin. Yeah. Because both of you are dealing with like this tremendous external forces, just this pressure. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. there are different kinds of pressure. Uh, yeah. But both of you as actors, you also have to balance that kind of emotional stinginess, right? Because you, yeah. you, like Sheriff Joy has to play her cards close to the chest. Yeah. And, yeah. and but at the so same time, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you have to have this kind of connection as actors. So how do you kind of balance that stinginess with the connection? Um, I'd say that, uh, it's, it, it's what happens, um, when you get the right people to play those roles. And I really have to credit the casting for, for putting together this very unique, and it's a big cast. There's about, you know, 10 of us there mm -hmm. that are all, um, you know, we have to bounce off each other and no matter how good we each may be individually as actors, mm -hmm. if, if, if the dynamics between us doesn't work to push the, the story forward as, as, as intended, um, it doesn't matter how good you are alone. And so I, I think part of that is just the magic of when you get it right. Um, and then the other part is that, that strategic casting of trying to find people to bounce, who, who will bounce off the, you know, each other's th that way. But Josh is also incredible to, to, to bounce off of. I mean, I don't know if anyone can be in a scene with him and not make the scene work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that's largely, largely, do, uh, you know, credit to him. But, um, but I, 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 I think also like what's so, what's so great about the characters that are in this show and when they're chosen to be on, on screen, because I'm not on screen with everybody, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, with, with Autumn and Sheriff Joy, you will never see them in the same scene. So there's mm -hmm. also this very careful construction of who do you want mm -hmm. making sense of the world together? Who do you want bouncing <laughs> off of each other? Um, and that's, that's what I love. Like it's not arbitrary. It's very carefully um, designed of who you see making sense of it together. And this cast of characters you're talking about, are you including, I guess, the nature, the environment? Because it's almost like another character in the show. This is a yeah. very external show. It's not really yeah. a lot of studio uh, work, right? Um, like, so you as an actor, like, are you feeding off, I guess, the natural cues of the literal environment? Absolutely. And I think that's also how I come to it as an Indigenous actor. I mean, that the, that the land itself represents its own character, its own entity. I'm so happy to hear that you are, you feel that as an audience. Mm -hmm. Um it's like Gotham City for Batman. Like it's part of, yeah. you know what I mean? Like as much as you have the car and the butler, you have Gotham City. And it's in their bones because you're dealing with rancher culture mm -hmm. or the indigenous culture from that area too. Everything is so deeply rooted in the land. I mean, every discussion, all the fights come back to the land. It's the original kind of settler um, you know, uh, conflict mm -hmm. of, of how we relate to the land, how we share the land, how we protect the land. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I, I love that part also is, is that, you know, just, just expanding the, con the, the conversation of the Western so that we can go a little bit deeper into, um, you know, one of the, the main sources of, um, of, of war and, um, and divide down there. And you already mentioned too, like your uh, indigenous perspective. What is mm -hmm. hanging around the rearview mirror in uh, Sheriff Joy's police SUV? Ah, oh, very nice. So that's a braid of sweetgrass. 
And uh, it's very common. I wouldn't say, you know, a, a, across the board. Sometimes, you know, we're, we're all, you know, 500, well, 500 plus nations across Turtle Island, across mm-hmm. North America. And uh, so all of us have very different, you know, distinct um, cultural uh, um, uh, traditions and, and kind of uh, ceremonies. But the sweetgrass around the mirror is a pretty common thing of um, sweetgrass is one of our sacred medicines. Um, and it grows along lot in the prairies uh, up here and down there. But it's just a way of um, kind of protecting your, your vehicle. Mm-hmm. And so even where I live right now, you drive around here and I'm, I'm right near the res here. So mm-hmm. you see sweetgrass and mirrors everywhere. Um, you know, or it would be, the, be an eagle feather or, mm-hmm. um, or s- s- something like that that was an identifier. But I, I really wanted to, to do that, even though most people, most, most viewers don't recognize it, our indigenous viewers do. And it was really important because like an Easter egg. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. But especially for Sheriff Joy, because even in her office, I mean, you'll see all her medicines behind her in, in her in her sheriff's office and a way that, you know, there's no way you could I can wear anything because she's a she's a cop. So there was no real identifiers there. But I really wanted that. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's not true. Her gun holster for those people who are really paying attention and, and they have seen that I have. a uh, She has a beaded um, mm-hmm. gun holster. Yeah, so then when you're establishing the character, obviously this is the first season, so you have to build the mm-hmm. character from the ground up. Yeah. Like, yeah. Was it those kind of cultural or personal elements that kind of came first? Or did, like, the, I guess when you put on the uniform, as you said, because that's a big cue for an actor, right? Like, yeah. That kind of sums up the entire character in a way. Yeah, so those are in the very early conversations. Um, and you're either lucky enough to get, um, you know, creatives in those key department roles that um first of all care what you have to say and then (laughs) respect what you have to say and then incorporate what you have to say and for for the outer range crew that was you know from the casting department who uh, right off the top i said would love it actually wasn't costume that was um that was props and it was with the props guy that we they were the ones who who uh who sourced a bunch of different designs um of how we could put it on the on the, the gun holster and then even even their home you know um joy and martha's home um, from the books that were there, the children's books, you know, the 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 native children's book that we wanted to see there from the art on the wall, especially as a, uh, a two-spirit couple, uh, you know, that's a little slightly different in the indigenous world than in the, in the more popular kind of LGBTQ um, arena. And so mm-hmm. there were things specific to indigenous two-spirit uh, two uh, representation that we wanted to have, like all those discussions yeah. happened beforehand and not, and it was amazing to be able to have an art department who, who who gave me that space and invited me into those conversations yeah as you're touching upon it like sheriff joy has a number of prominent identities right obviously being a sheriff is one a yeah. mom is another a yeah. wife lesbian all these kind of like heavy yeah. cultural like personal identifiers and so from yeah. your own challenges wrestling with identity like would you do do you gravitate to like standing out and being a unicorn and this is my horn this is who i am or do you try your best to kind of fit in if you don't quite fit like no. what's your go-to move i don't think you did either uh, but like what's your go-to no. move i think also growing up in a in a mixed uh, in a mixed race home so on one side my dad's israeli um my you know i have holocaust survivors on one side uh, my mother who is anishinaabe and mm-hmm. i have residential school survivors on the other side i mean i i was I, we were, I was thrown into this um you know this is who i come from and so very early on it was it was like an inescapable identity and the people that i came from also 
spoke up very loudly about um, you know the, their their oppression, their each of their you know um, uh, genocides that they mm-hmm. survived, and then. And so it was in some way, you know, I, I understood that was my responsibility to represent those people who I come from. And, um, and so there was, there was no, there was no way to not, not uh, own my horn, <laughs> my, my unicorn, as yeah. you say. Um, but also, especially because I am, um, you know, I, I, I represent this mixed race identity, which for many people who are, who have to kind of fall between two different worlds, it was more important as a young person who was kind of going through that identity crisis to own up to that mixed identity, um, that, that mixed race identity, because there are so many of us out there. And it, and it only helped me because trying to fit into one or the other, mm-hmm. I would just, I, I would lose and it would just be a really disappointing, you know, experience full of, full of, <laughs> full of rejection. Yeah. So it was, and the more that and myself and my sisters who are also in the business, the more we spoke up, and kind of owned and uh, even, you know, really stepped into that, that word and back then, you know, we were just called half breeds, mm-hmm. but like really stepping into that and finding my power in that more people responded because they were that too, or they understood that experience too. So I see that it, it I mean, I found that it has only served me better to just like own who you are mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and people will resonate because that's my truth and, and, and people will respond to that. Yeah, I'm. This is a tangent, but I'm, I'm a child of immigrants, right? So my mm-hmm. parents are, came from Egypt, and so yeah. it's not quite the same. But it, you're processing a lot because they come, they have the Egyptian culture, and then yep. we, then we have to then also process Canadian culture, and I gravitated yes. to pop culture, which has co- yeah. a completely different slang and like style yeah. and everything. Yeah. So then you're, it's the three cultures, and it's almost like a puzzle pieces. They don't quite fit. Like you have like yes. from three different puzzles. Right. And not only that, if you're still going back home, you you learn what modes you're like. Now you're back in in Egypt mode, mm-hmm. you know, or like when you're yeah. with your family or when you're with your friends. And so, correct. You know, even though I, I call it kind of tag teaming parts of myself, <laughs> yes. you know, when you're like, no, now now you're in this mode, now you're in this yeah. mode. But like, you have to. It, it's also just about knowing when it's knowing when it's it's um, better or or more um, like it it it, it works toward a better place of understanding because I can't go in, you know, preaching something in the wrong space. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that I think is what ma- the maturity that the, 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 the understanding when and how to be in all those different worlds that we have to exist in. And I think that is how I meet Sheriff Joy. And that is how I understand her so well is mm-hmm. knowing when she speaks up, when she doesn't, and also that not speaking up doesn't mean you're scared to 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 be who you are. It means there's a wisdom between in in, in knowing what to say and when to say it, and and to who to and who to say it to. Yeah, but I was going to add too because her the way she sees herself is also different than how other people see her as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's always another gap that needs to sometimes be traversed. There is like one of those jerk face Tillerson kids. I think it was Luke Tillerson. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he there's a I think it was in the second episode or third episode. He says to you in a very condescending way, there's never been yeah. an Indian sheriff in this town before. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. And then you kind of all snarky ahead yeah, or a gay yeah. one, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. let's double down on this, right? Like, yeah. so, and that's too, like how they, they see you. It's almost like, it's weird irony because like your name is Joy, but you don't bring any joy in a sense to a lot of people. <laughs> no. Well, I, I hope it's, it's, it was a very interesting balance because I, she is meant to, to be, to offer, I think, in the world, like the, the Abbott family and the Tillerson, they are so dark. They are not healthy, functioning families. Mm-hmm. And in that way, Joy's family, every time we see her, with, or at least the beginning ways that we're introduced to that family, all you see is love and affection and intimacy. And, you know, we touch every time. Like mm-hmm. every, And it was really important to, to, to show that contrast to these really tortured families tortured and repressed families and that's not at all what you see in the in the dynamics of the hawk family um and and so it's 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 she's trying to infuse that joy as much as possible and keep it friendly she tries to keep it friendly and 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 speak you know on a really human to human level Mm -hmm. while doing her job and i guess you know the, the the great thing about her story arc is she realizes there's a point where you can't be friendly anymore. Like this isn't this, this kind approach. And because she's kind of in a position of power that she has not been in Mm -hmm. yet. Like that's also what I found so interesting. She's learning. We are watching her learn Mm -hmm. as, as the show goes along. And that just is a really exciting place to meet a character where they are, they are in that growth mode of becoming who who we probably all want her to be, but mm. we're just maybe five years too early in her process. Yeah, a great example. Of what you're talking about uh, uh, limits to friendship or being friendly is there was a scene where um, this dude is like potentially going to rob a convenience store, and yeah. so Sheriff Joy goes in there and she roughhouses him, and she's got yeah, his arm yeah, behind yeah. his back, and he keeps trying to like wrestle, and he thinks, ah, oh, it's a little girl, I can like push her around yeah. or whatever, right? And he's like, <laughs> you get all confident. And she kept saying to him, like, if you keep moving, I will break your arm. I will break your yeah. arm. And finally, yeah, yeah, yeah. he keeps trying to push her away and she has to break the arm. Like, there's yeah. a point where she's like, this is it. Like, I tried to be nice yeah. to you. I tried to reason. But exactly. like, now you got a broken arm. Deal with it. Yeah. And I love the metaphor that that's, you know, that's the, the physical representation of what she's actually learning also in her policing. Um mm-hmm she can't dick around anymore. Like she, like she's really tried a really um, honest, heartfelt approach to deal with these family members who she's been closely connected to for the last year, trying to figure out this other disappearance uh, and this other investigation. And it's like, and, and, and the more it's like, it's almost like she needs to be, she needs to be um, uh, uh, hurt or 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 offended like it, it t- she takes so much before she actually says no no more mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah, that, yeah. that turn happens so much but i really i think the physical that physical um uh, takedown scene is is a nice uh, is a nice kind of glimpse of what she has to do she is literally going to have to break metaphorically figuratively mm-hmm. uh every single person's arm until they listen to her <laughs> or that's how for, for them to listen to her for, yeah. her, for them to take her seriously mm-hmm. that makes i sense. am not messing around yeah you yeah know? <laughs> uh yeah no i'm pretty scared of sheriff joy as well so <laughs> you mentioned the the dark families that are in outer range so and i want to switch now to reservation dogs because these are a lot more lighter families and it's a lot more fun yeah you had the aunties episode where they went wild and they were having yeah. like uh edibles and they were yeah. <laughs> uh, 
having sexual conquests and doing parties and stuff. This is in the fifth episode of the second season. And there's even a dance sequence as well set to Brandy. Uh, so yeah. what were your highlights from that fun episode? Because this is a completely opposite of like all the dark yeah. seriousness of like yeah. outer range. Yeah. Like, so what was the highlight for you for this episode? The highlight was the fact that that was made. The fact that <laughs> that story was told. Um, it was the most liberating, fun time I have ever had making television. Mm-hmm. And that is largely responsible, or I owe that to Tazba Chavez, who wrote the episode and directed the episode. She's one of the main uh, writers of Reservation Dogs. But that, to have this kind of bottle episode, a standalone episode that just kind of pulls away from the the regular occurring world of Reservation Dogs, um, it just, it's, it's 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 a brave, thing to do for any show to say yeah let's leave that world that we know everybody's used to tuning into every week and now just take it a little bit um outside and see this the other generation which which only serves the main story because we are the parents or the you know the aunties of mm-hmm. of the, the main dogs and so through that you can really see either where they come from where they're headed what is just their perspective and, and, and specific to them or what is actually a larger perspective of, of truths and realities of what happens in, in those kind of communities. And so um, it was just, it was uh, what we're mostly hearing from, from the audiences of, of how they responded to that episode as a, in, compared to other episodes. People were saying they have never seen something like that on television before. And even though Res Dogs in itself is mm-hmm. something people haven't seen on television before, the, the, to have these, you know, these four sexually liberated, confident, strong, um, also just like we represent all kinds of women. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the other, the other thing that regular viewers don't get to see on screen of just women of shapes and sizes and varying degrees of, of, of um, kind of sexual freedom. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, uh, I, I've never had a chance to do that before. So that the highlight was just in the doing and then to be able to do it with my sister and you know Jana who is also a, a, a close friend um and Natalie like these 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 making I mean we did that over a week time so every day to be in that world with them there was so much laughter and there was so much um just truth and there is incredible power when you feel like you get to say, you get to really say how it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people are responding so much to this episode for. So it was worth the uh, the matching tattoos that you got, all you gals got at the end. <laughs> yes, but that, that's the thing. It's like you bond so, and you don't always bond like that, but we bonded telling that story and also with um, with Tazba, who was just such a great leader um, through through that week. Um, like, what else do you do? Um, the tattoo seemed the obvious, but also Nat, uh, Natalie, who is, you know, one of the four aunties, mm-hmm. she's the tattoo artist. So she, it was a, it was a pretty easy thing to, to arrange because she just tattooed <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah. 
Someone had to tattoo her. She couldn't tattoo herself. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I know. We're not quite at that science level yet. But even no, the no. episode that was before that with uh, Mabel was dying, that's, again, yeah. kind of echoes a lot of the family themes that you're you're talking about now, right? Where, like, there was yeah. all that food out there. And then, like, you have all these people kind of coming in through the front door and they're quirky personalities and they bring weird food. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, everybody yeah. observes death in a certain way. And even though it's yeah. all kind of the same culture, they're all a little bit adjacent <laughs> in terms yeah. of how they process grief for death. Yeah, and I think what's really cool is that, you know, because it's mainly through the perspective of the of the four kids, the four youth, mm-hmm. um, you know, you you get to you get to not mock the, the older generations, but you you just you get to there's like a freedom of observation when it when the world is seen through their eyes. Um, because they don't really have, it's not like judgment, but it's like, it's just, we all seem so bizarre to them, yeah. <laughs> you know, of all the different things that, and, and for them, you know, which is just typical of teenagers everywhere. Like they only know the world according to them. So mm-hmm. everything outside of that is just, is like, we're the weird ones, yeah. not them. So, you know, like his, his, his speech of, you know, acknowledging, you know, the galaxies far, far beyond, or like, you know, he goes into some star Wars reference, <laughs> yeah. you know, when he's, when he's, when he's speaking to the creator, like uh, I just I just think it's handled so well that um, that that allows such uniqueness to come out of you know these very large kind of group scenes, um, and that's largely due to just really great characters. Mm-hmm. But I think also the w- when you do things that are so culturally specific, especially when every single and that's why when you're getting authentic representation you know everyone you're bringing to the table is bringing their own authentic indigenous experience and mm-hmm. they all know how they relate to this and then and then you just end up getting that 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 beauty of truth um which i think is what people are really responding to and where else are they seeing when like where else have they seen you know an indian wake um mm-hmm. you know where where else have they seen like how we do our feasts yeah there's no other place people are getting this, um, you know, seeing, seeing these scenes. Um, Yeah. It's, it's even, even, and, you know, I, I, I think what's very cool also about that Mabel episode, that episode four is we're still in the world of, you still have some comic relief, but the show is really just season two. I find the show just really matured and, and allowed it like in, in the genres, like it's just, it's allowing comedy to exist in these deeper conversations of trauma and um and and grief mm-hmm. and um and and that's really cool when a show can just grow in that way that it doesn't it grows beyond the box yeah. you know of its little funny comedy you know culty comedy series yeah, yeah. and don't forget too the uh the grief response of bringing uh, sonic tater tots to awake <laughs> <laughs> but this like as long as you throw things like that in yeah um it doesn't get too heavy and it also means like that it's it doesn't have to be because it all exists in the same place and even mm-hmm. that is an important thing to, to show and i think so many people from you know uh, other than really um i don't know i'm sure there are cultures who who, who who do like to really protect those moments and not let the laughter in mm-hmm. but i i I think it's it's really useful to see that even with the comedy parts, it doesn't take away from how hard we're crying 
Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we don't, we still don't get to go as deep and, and, and tap into the pain. Yeah. It just means that it, it all exists in the same place. And that for sure is, is, is a truth in, in, in that community. You, when you and I were talking about like me being a child of immigrants and you being a unicorn, like it's the same thing. Sometimes some people, they hold onto their identity too tightly. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it becomes too rigid. And so they yeah. can't adapt to certain situations or certain things or whatever. And it, they get angry a lot because they get offended a lot, right? And so yeah, yeah. you sometimes with identity, it's kind of weird, but like, you know who you are, but you have to hold it loosely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's also, you know, it's very hard uh, also because, you know, on, on one side, I'm the ch- you know, child of immigrants too. And, and, um, and it, it's, it's almost like that new generation is always responsible for pushing the boundary for mm-hmm. helping the generation before them understand like we know you had to hold on so tightly to all of this we know that you're only survived because mm-hmm. you protected yeah. you know our way of life you mm-hmm. know and so it's it really is and that's why i think reservation dogs is, is really powerful because it's from that voice of the new generation mm-hmm. of how they're meant to reconcile all these things mm-hmm. um and in and in some way it it is you know i wouldn't want to say that you know it's harder for one generation over another but the new generation and the youth generation always has that burden of how they are going to change a cycle, break a cycle, mm-hmm. op- start a new chapter, you know, right. and, and, and it's in, instead with of dismissing too, with the hope yes. too, that they're not white knuckling it like our parents or like earlier. Yes. Generation, you know what I mean? Like yes. it's, we get to breathe a little easier than they did. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, how we can, how we can both respect how hard it is for them, Mm -hmm. because I think oftentimes we just dismiss that, you know, this, this new generation, I don't even know what you call this new generation, but (laughs) whatever they're called. um, I don't know what letter we're at now, X, Y, Z. Sure, let's go with that. (laughs) But um, whatever generation uh, is the the one that's coming up, I think it's easy to dismiss how how challenging it is because we always know that what they came from mm-hmm. and and it's hard to complain about anything when you know what your parents and your grandparents yeah, went through for sure. and so I, I don't think they always get the respect of of what they're navigating and and this is the world that I can't even you know I, I don't even know what it is to be young in this world where you grew up in social media where you grew up with the like in at the peak of every crisis that is going on right now they're in it mm-hmm. you know ours was like threats I don't know how old you you are no, no, but we I had the cold war and the Russia yeah. and like, don't worry your <laughs> you school know, desk and, will protect you that's what we were told yes <laughs> And, 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 and this world, and especially in America, which I have to also kind of do a little bit of a, 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 a translation for in my brain, because being a youth in America is very different. And especially in, in Oklahoma is very different from being a, a youth up here in, mm. in Canada, um, even in the, in the remote indigenous communities. Um, which is where dogs are set, just for people who don't know. Yes, in That's Oklahoma, rural Oklahoma, mm. yeah. Yeah, so uh, Reservation Dogs did get renewed for season three. Are you hoping to be it back? It did. Or are you going to be busy with Share of Joy? I, I, <laughs> the thing is, it's like, you, you know, all the projects start at different times. Like when you hear about them, when you first, you know, put a tape for <laughs> when you first audition, when you first got that, like, sometimes it works out. Like it didn't work out for season one. Season mm-hmm. one, I was shooting Outer Range at the same exact time as as um, season one Reservation Dogs. So we didn't get to do it. Season two, it worked out perfectly. I was available. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, but now it, it, you know they're renewed. We just got renewed for season two for Outer Range. Mm-hmm. Um, I can just cross my fingers because I love the role of Teeny so much, and I think she really just she really is a, is a great vehicle to show um, how important. Uh, because you know, especially the kids always want to leave. You know, they always think something. And, and here's the one character who did leave, mm-hmm. and she comes back, and and her growth was completely stunted because the the shit that she didn't deal with when she left mm-hmm. is sitting right there <laughs> for her when she comes back. <laughs> you know, so I I think she serves. You know, other than the great fun that she brings to the party, like edibles, um, I, yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and great dance, great choreography. Yes. Um, other, other, other than, or in addition to, to that, I think she really um, helps, uh, helps balance out, you know, the, the dog's aspirations of how great that, that other world is somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to come back, but you know, this is a, this is, I, I, I've waited 30 years for, for, for this problem you know, to be on two incredible, <laughs> incredible yeah, yeah. shows no, it's that a good, are happening at the same time. It's a good problem time. to have. Um, so that I'm just going to, I'm just going to enjoy and be grateful for that problem. <laughs> well, thank you so much for like hanging out. We covered quite a bit. Like, the... Yeah. Thanks so much for this conversation. I love how, how, I mean, you just really, you really watch the shows and, um, and I appreciate all the, the very deep observations about what's going on. Yeah, no, I'm enjoying it. And uh, I, I've heard you too say like in, uh, this is a tangent we're wrapping up now, but just in like um, in other interviews that you don't consider out of range sci-fi. And I kind of have to agree with you. Like, I think it's kind of more, I guess, spiritual. I don't know what the word is. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's okay. It's okay for the I guess. Maybe yes. that's the better so word. That's, and, and that's what I, I uh, especially because sci-fi to me are things that, aren't real that don't necessarily exist. And, um, you know, I don't think it's too much to give away. We're talking about a black hole in mm-hmm. outer range. Um, even for those, I mean, it's in every trailer, so I'm not giving that yeah. away. <laughs> but, it's in the first episode um, within the first few minutes, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, and to me, black holes, and if you come from any culture that, you know, that the land has stories of black holes mm-hmm. since the beginning of time, um, that's not sci-fi. That's, that's just, that's just science (laughs) that's just real that's just like really happening um and especially at that in that part of 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 the country in montana and wyoming um there are old 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 stories of interdimensional um Mm -hmm. travel and these black holes and um and so yeah that's why i prefer to call it just uh you know supernatural neo neo western also just like i love i love that one yeah it's a great term if you want if you want old western go watch yellowstone (laughs) <laughs> um, if you want uh, a, a Western that really and an updated, you know, something that includes an indigenous perspective um, that, you know, come watch it out of range. All right. That's it. Thank you so much for like hanging out, as I said. Oh, thank you so much. That was Tamara Podensky, who plays Sheriff Joy on Prime Video's Outer Range and Antini in Reservation Dogs. I'm the host of my summer layer, Sammy Yunan. I write a weekly set to VCR column for mysummerlayer.com. It's posted every Monday morning, and it's filled with sarcastic puns and useful TV recommendations for that week. So sarcastic puns are useful too, I think. At the time, seeing the trailer for Outer Range, I couldn't understand what exactly I was seeing. For my recommendation, I wrote simply, 
Lots of creepy atmosphere. A murder or two in the trailer. Interesting. What I wrote was true, however, I failed to convey the darkness, the dysfunction, and the drama of families trying desperately to hold on to disturbing secrets. As you can hear from my conversation I had with Tamara, this is a TV show about strong identities. A cat rancher is a strong identity. It's a lifestyle. She plays Sheriff Joy in a conservative town. Again, another strong identity. How do you hold on to your identity? Or, if you want to be all fancy pants about it, how do you hold on to your essence when there is so much pressure, external pressure, just on you to change? In high school, not being accepted for who you are, yeah, that sucks. But it's high school, so you just get through it, it's done, and you can move on. You know there's a beginning and an end to high school. You're not rooted in that place the way that you are as an adult. You can't just go cattle ranch somewhere else the way office workers can work anywhere as long as there is strong Wi-Fi. You have roots in an ongoing relationship to the land. All of that makes it difficult to leave. Out of Range is an interesting TV show. I'm not sure what is going on or what we can expect for season two. You know what else is interesting? A well-written newsletter. Check this out. If you enjoyed this conversation, some good news. My pal Sammy newsletter. Let us extend the conversation. And I know you think of email and you think of negative connotations. You think of work. You think of that sweet senior citizen in your life who keeps forwarding those weird chain letters things so that they welcome good luck. All of that is true. All of that is email. That's because for those people and those emails the E in email stands for electronic mail. So what if? What if the E stood for experience? What if it stood for event? What if it stood for excellence? Wouldn't that be exciting? Email doesn't have to be email. Does that make sense? Go to mysummerlair.com slash subscribe to sign up for the weekly pop culture My Pal Sammy newsletter. You will be elated you did. Sweet, right? Sign up now. Don't delay. Because I have lots of sarcastic puns, TV recommendations, and all kinds of goodness to offer. Thank you so much for listening to me in a Netflix world. Out of range, yo!